You're listening to the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast, episode 67. How I see students hedging their bets when it comes to exams and assessment, and why this is rarely ever a good idea. I'm Katie Jones, and with over 15 years in education as an award-winning high school teacher, international external examiner, and as a study coach, I've helped thousands of students skyrocket their results and confidence. And this podcast is where I share all my insights, tactics, and tips with you, the parent, so you can help your hardworking team get happy, smart, and successful in their study, and have you both enjoy the journey along the way. This is the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast. Hey, very important parents and carers. How are you? I hope things are going awesomely for you and your teens. I am going to kick off this episode with some really happy news. Our success manager, Karina, who some of you may have had contact with over email, is expecting her first baby imminently (laughs) and is... Sadly for us, but happily for her and her husband, leaving Rock Solid Study to be a full-time parent. Now, it is never, of course, easy losing a great team member, but the study stars (laughs) have aligned rather beautifully, and I am very happy to have lured Gemma Toms, who is currently our English Focus Coach, into working with us more. (laughs) She is stepping out of the classroom over in the UK where she teaches and into the online world fully with us taking on the role of success manager. So don't worry, she will still be our English focus coach and she is still staying on the ground in all things exams and assessment as she is still doing external exam marking each year and continues to work as a senior examiner for exam boards in the UK. And I know that she is a little bit sad to be stepping out of the classroom. Gemma's been teaching in high schools since I think it might be like 2005. She actually started teaching even before I did. But happily for us, this role really suits her experience, her knowledge, her skill set. And it really suits her and her family life because she has two young children herself. And I know that she absolutely loves the work that we do here in Rock Solid Study in the 10-week grade transformation program and in Next Level and has been keen for a while now to get more involved. So this is a perfect combo <laughs> all round for everyone involved. And by everyone, I include you and your teen in this as Gemma serves you in the inbox or in coaching your teen in our programs or making sure that all of the content and information that you receive as a parent, either through this podcast or through my emails or our special events, is absolutely tip top. And you can be sure that any typos or grammar errors from now on will be totally down to me. And I am very excited for Karina and for Gemma and for everything that we have to come. So let's get into this episode and talk about your teen potentially hedging their bets a little bit or maybe a lot when it comes to exams and assessment. 
And by hedging their bets, I mean things like maybe giving more points or items than have been asked for in a question, maybe answering both questions when they only had to answer one, or giving additional information on a topic, but information that's outside of what's actually being asked. Or like I mentioned on last week's episode, all about pre-exam decisions and optimizing exam prep, maybe they're hedging their bets in their revision and their exam practice by not pre-deciding what they're actually going to do in the exam and committing to it. Now, I see this happening a fair bit and I speak from experience as a student who hedged a lot of bets. (laughs) And I think it happens for a variety of reasons. So one, it might be that your teen isn't totally sure about what the question is really asking. So they write about all sorts in their response just in case that was what it was asking. Number two, they might not be totally sure of how the marks are going to be allocated or what's really required for hitting some of the top criteria. So they kind of just try to cover all the bases. And then three, they might not be sure of their subject content. They might not be sure of the actual answer. So maybe they give a few different answers or they give other things that they do know instead, or they kind of end up just being a little bit vague and waffly, but going on and on and on in the hope that some of it is going to get them some marks along the way. So basically, hedging their bets is something that students resort to. It comes from a lack of confidence, it comes from uncertainty, or even just some confusion. So if or when your teen ever does this, and I'll explain some actual examples in a moment so you know what I'm talking about, they likely know that doing this in their answers is not an ideal response. (laughs) It's not actually what the marker wants them to do. Because no question ever said, give me two whatever it is, examples, quotes, reasons, suggestions, and then give me a third, just in case. (laughs) No question ever says that. But sometimes they resort to doing this, but it's never because it's what they were actually directed to do. And if you've heard me ever talk about spaghetti throwing before, then that really is one way that they are hedging their bets. It's an example of hedging their bets. It's one way that they end up doing more than they really need to, or one way that they give more information than is required. But the issue with hedging their bets is that they aren't only wasting time, energy, and effort, maybe also their word count, is that they're also potentially sacrificing kind of wasting, but really just losing out on marks or missing out on a grade. And I will explain why that is in a moment. But before I do, I also want to mention a fourth sneaky reason that I think students do this. And I can tell you it's because I did it too, a lot as a student. (laughs) It's because it perhaps served them in those lower year groups. So in, say, maybe year seven or year eight, maybe even really in year nine or 10, this might still happen a little bit as well, you often do get extra marks or at least extra effort marks of sorts by giving more points than were required. Or you probably got away with not quite answering the question or not sticking to the exact requirements, but still got credit for what you did write. Because the teacher probably does take a little bit of pity on you or acknowledges your effort and gives the mark, even if you put three items on the list when it just asked for two and two were correct, they probably would still give you the two marks. 
And they probably give you maybe a half mark for an extra fact that maybe wasn't asked for, but was related in some way. And I also say this as a teacher. I'm sure I have done that in the past because we want to be encouraging. We want to acknowledge the positives rather than the negatives. And we like to reward students who do have that good work ethic, show their knowledge, go over and above. And it isn't necessarily a problem in itself, but it can cause some let's say maybe bad habits or misguided expectations because those same extras that are being given, A, aren't going to be rewarded when the assessments and exams become more formal, particularly for external exams and assessment. So can lead to maybe some disappointment if your teen thinks they did better than their result comes out. And B, can actually sometimes bring their marks down. So let's take a basic exam or test question, one that asks for two items, whatever those might be. It might be that there are two blank boxes in a table that need to be completed, maybe for science. It might be that your teen needs to identify two metaphors in a poem or maybe two adjectives from a paragraph in English. Or it might be that they need to complete two labels on a diagram. And I have seen many, many times students giving either more than one answer in each box or on each line or just adding a third line or item to the list. And it might be that they misread the question and they didn't read that just two were needed. Or it might be that they weren't really sure about the answers. And so they basically kind of guessed and decided that, hey, if I put three, then two of them might be right. (laughs) I actually marked a question like this years ago for the year 12 QCS short response paper. And according to the mark scheme, we had to just mark the first two items given. So basically, don't even look at the third if more are given, even if it might be right. And I've also seen mark schemes where if there's any kind of hedging of bets, (laughs) that is what it says on the mark scheme, but it would be anywhere where there's more answers than asked for, the maximum mark is one. So the mark scheme actually penalizes for this depending on the setup or the format of the question. Because if we think about it, they need to make sure that a student can never have a better chance of more marks if they choose to simply give more than the number asked for. That can't be made into a rewarding strategy. Because remember, exams aren't just testing subject knowledge. They're also testing your team's ability to put across information in the way that it's asked for. And if they've been asked for two and they give three, then they aren't actually doing that. So my first piece of advice for students is even if you're not sure, make an informed decision, i.e. a best guess, and pick the strongest answer or answers. Give the right number of points or answers or items in your response with the best choices that you can. Otherwise, you might automatically be limiting yourself to lower marks, which was the exact thing you were probably trying to avoid by doing the hedging of the bets in the first place. And here's another example, something that isn't just about writing a certain number of words or naming a certain number of items. I went and found a real exam question that I thought would be a good example of this. This one's from the WACE 2022 economics exam. And it asks, describe two ways in which organizations such as the WTO, the World Trade Organization, can influence world trade. 
and it has four marks allocated to it. So it's not just name two ways, get two marks. There are four marks allocated to it. Now, I can tell you for sure there would have been a small number of students who gave more than two ways in that paper, in their answers. I didn't mark this paper, but I've marked enough other papers to know there would have been some students that did that. And just for a quick bit of exam technique here, because you know I love exam technique and I can't resist digging into this just a tiny bit. In case you're wondering why it asks for two, but it has four marks. So you're wondering, do they just get two marks per item? How do they get the four marks or what are they being awarded for? Here's the clue in the question. In fact, let me read it to you again and see if you can pick it out. Describe two ways in which organizations such as the World Trade Organization can influence world trade. Did you spot it? It's the word influence. They need to name or state the way and then say how it influences world trade. Now, honestly, if I was on that scrutiny panel, I would actually debate whether that command, therefore, should technically be explain rather than describe. That's the sort of thing we do on scrutiny panels, for example. It probably sounds so dull to you, but I absolutely love it. Now, we don't always get our way. Sometimes I might raise a point and that doesn't necessarily mean that it gets upheld. Sometimes I do agree with the counter view or something else that's explained to me. And sometimes I don't. (laughs) But that's just the nature of these things. But given that it just says describe, then at least we know that means they just need a simple statement to say how it influences world trade, not a big in-depth series of linked explanations. So to break this down, they would need to say one way is this, whatever it is, one mark, and here's what it does to world trade, or here's how it influences world trade, one mark. Another way is this, one mark, here's what it means for world trade, one mark. That's a very simple mark scheme prediction, but this is why it's so important for students to be confident in identifying command words, knowing how to respond to them and becoming mark scheme savvy so they understand how and where marks are allocated and so they can predict the mark scheme on the spot in the exam hall where they aren't actually going to be given any marking criteria or any rubric. And full training on all of this is in, yes, the 10-week grade transformation program, specifically Catapult 7, Conquering Command Words, and Catapult 10, Mastering Mark Schemes. (laughs) As you can tell, I like to call modules and tutorials and resources obvious names where they do what they say on the tin. (laughs) And I like a little bit of alliteration. You can tell that as well. But getting back to our example question, I'm sure that you can envisage that seeing four marks on that page allocated to that question, there are going to be some students who maybe instead give four ways. They name and write down four different things for the four marks. Then there's going to be some students who give lots of in-depth explanations for that influence. Totally understandable. This definitely would have been me 
as a student, the big hedge better that I was, they either maybe weren't confident that they had the right impact or the right influence. So they ruffled around it a little bit, not really being precise enough, or they put in a few different ways, not really sure what the exact influence is. So giving a few just in case one is right, or maybe they just weren't confident in how much explanation or I should say description would be needed for that second mark. So they wrote a little bit more just in case. And that's the dangerous phrase here, just in case. Or I'll give an extra way, just in case. Either because I'm not too sure of the other ways I've already named, they're lacking the subject knowledge, or because I'm not too sure about the requirements of the question or the mark scheme, the exam technique. And this is a problem because either the student then runs out of time to complete the rest of the exam because of all that extra writing, just in case. (laughs) Or maybe they don't run out of time, but they don't have enough time spent on other questions where they do need more points or more detail. And finally, on that note of questions that need more info, more detail, more explanation, one other way where I see students losing out on marks when they hedge their bets by adding in extra just in case is in extended response and essay questions. And this is where there are descriptors for bands or levels of marks. And likely one of them is something like gives a coherent and well-structured response, something along those lines. And in these cases, usually this is for questions worth at least eight marks, probably more like 10 and above, to be honest. If there are extraneous points that aren't needed in your teen's work, those are likely going to take away from that coherence or cohesion in their writing. Unnecessary information may well detract from the structure or the flow of their points. And so even if the information isn't technically wrong, If it isn't directly contributing or required or part of their focused response, then it can actually be detrimental to their mark. It may stop them from achieving that criteria of a coherent, well-structured response. So going off on a tangent or adding in something extra, just in case, can mean that the focus or the argument or the analysis isn't as strong and therefore is going to potentially bring down your teen's mark or their grade. So I wanted to share these exam and assessment insights with you today because I want your teen to maximize the results they get with the knowledge that they have. And hopefully these examples have served to show that more info isn't always the key to more marks and that anything we can do to reduce the guesswork or uncertainty for your teen around their study, their exam technique, and their performance in assessments will serve them, both in terms of their confidence and in their results. Now, if you found anything that I've shared on the podcast helpful, I would really appreciate it if you could take six seconds to, wherever you're listening to this, leave me a rating. Leave this podcast a rating. It is just two taps of the thumb if you're listening to this on your phone to do it. And it would mean so much to me and it would be a huge help. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and your week. And I will see you back here next week. 
you're ready to have your teen achieve their best possible results with less stress, then I want to invite you to enroll them in the 10-week grade transformation program, where they're going to learn the key concepts, skills, and strategies to catapult their performance in assessments and exams. It's risk-free. They either achieve bigger and better results with a whole lot more confidence in 10 weeks, or we refund you in full. Just head over to www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash program and I'll see you there.